Welcome back to the Iron Dread Podcast. This one is episode number 40, groundbreaking. We hit a, another multiple of 10 here with episode 40, and this one is with a special guest, Coach Tim Somerlad. Coach Somerlad is a retired FDNY fireman from New York City. He also coached football and track and field for Monroe Woodbury High School, and that's where I met him, uh, coaching girls' throws for Monroe Woodbury, and we became friends around the throwing circles uh, there in the Hudson Valley, New York area. Coach Somerled still coaches a little bit of football. He's trying to get back into uh, coaching high school football here, and he is very passionate, passionate about the game of football, and you'll hear that. Uh, in his episode here as we learn a little bit more about him this one is all about him we talk about kind of how he grew up um, his football experiences his fire department experiences his coaching experiences I've had a lot of fun talking with coach Somerlad Uh, we even dive into it and as fitting as it is this podcast drops on Friday September 11th and we remember um, all of those who lost their lives on that fateful day in 2001. Uh, Coach Somerlad had many friends uh, that perished that day. And we want this episode to pay tribute uh, to all those individuals. So um, hopefully you enjoy this one and you never, never forget um, what happened that day and all those heroes uh, that ran in facing certain death uh, and did the things that they were asked to do because that's what their job is so again hopefully you enjoy this episode if you are an apple podcast user please give us a rating and review on apple podcast that helps people find the show and get into the show if you are spotify user follow us share us on social media if you share us on social media in any way please use the hashtag id podcast and tag yours truly at coach underscore whitaker 66 on instagram at coach underscore whitaker on twitter at iron dread underscore sc on all social media platforms facebook twitter and instagram tag us if you're enjoying the show don't forget about all our music playlists and we'll talk more about those on spotify later in the episode with everybody's favorite segment the weight room song of the week so i won't take any much more time here folks it's time to get the coach some alive. this was a great episode episode number 40 hit the intro music We're back here live to record 
on the Iron Dread Podcast. I'm sitting here chatting with an old friend of mine from my days back in New York. FDNY retired, uh, retired throws coach from Monroe Woodbury High School in Monroe, New York, Mr. Tim Somerlad. Coach Somerlad, welcome to the Iron Dread Podcast. Thank you, Coach. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad glad you're here. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, you were on my on my short list of people. I sit down and think about who can I get on the show that's going to have something positive, a positive message to bring to our listeners, and that's what this show is about. Um, you know, something positive, a, a good story that people listen to it and they're going to enjoy themselves listening to it. Maybe learn a little something and take something uh, positive from the show. And you're definitely one of those guys. So okay. the, the first thing we're going to do, coach, speed, set, questions, rapid fire, right? Ten questions, quick answers, uh, the first thing that pops into your brain on these, okay? Okay. So first one is this. Now, I'm out here in Michigan, so this is a big thing, and I think I know who you're going to pick by default, but go blue or go green? Blue. Go blue. <laughs> Out here in Michigan, the blue and the green is the is the University of Michigan Wolverines and the Michigan State Spartans in New York. Go blue, go green is a little bit different. It is a little bit different, but I will say a lot of New York Giants came from Michigan, although I do still love the Spartans. I still love the Spartans. So Michigan, I like both. Michigan State and Michigan, both good teams. Both, both good football out there. That's all I say. Good Michigan mm-hmm. football. Tony Mandarich and, uh, you know, the list goes on. Uh, Eric Howard, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Jumbo Elliott was my guy. Jumbo Elliott was my favorite. So I got to go Michigan. <laughs> Michigan, go blue. Uh, your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Jaws. I love that movie too. It's like a lineman. It's an eating machine. It's like Quinn says. It's an eating machine. That's it. You know, you're dealing with something that doesn't care. He just wants to eat, <laughs> you know. And uh, it, was, it was a great movie how, uh, you know, they set out for the big big shark and he turns the tides on him, you know. Quint, they couldn't get him. You know, I mean, eventually eventually the shark blew up. But uh, he yep. beat Quint. Yeah. And that's, uh, I like that movie. Great movie. Jaws is a great movie. We, we actually have a coach that coaches with us out here in Michigan, and his, oh, name, is Tony, his name is Tony Quint. So for Halloween one year, he dressed as Captain Quint from Jaws. It was so funny. Oh, that must be funny. Next one. Favorite TV show. The Indianapolis speech. Right. Favorite TV show. Ooh, that's a tough one. When I was a kid, it was the Incredible Hulk. So that, 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 that personified me a little bit growing up, uh, you know, and before that was a six million dollar man. Everything was action, you know. Um, I'm a lot, a lot older than you, so I'm dating myself with the six million dollar man and the Incredible Hulk. You know, um, today I don't watch much football, but if I do, it's it's Big Blue Giants, man, NFL and and uh, college football. That's about all the all the TV I really watch, you know. And these days, you know, Monday Night Football is probably <laughs> Monday yeah. Night Football. Yeah, uh, I tell people out here like they don't they don't get it like. Where we are in New York, like college football isn't as big as it is kind of out here in the Midwest and all that. Like we're we're pro football in New York first. Yeah, yeah. Sunday shuts down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Your your number one hobby right now. Number one hobby right now is actually I'm getting my house ready for sale. 
and uh, you know it's more work. But my real hobby is bow hunting now. Uh, well, that's what I like to do, and um, I'm getting ready for that October first. And you know, I didn't start bow hunting until I was 39 years old. But you know, it makes you, it calms you down, but it does make you focus on on, na- on nature. And uh, not only that, it, it, it helped, well, when you when you aim that arrow, you really focus on 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 zeroing in on something. A, a, what do you call it? A, a target within a target, or or an area within an area. So you really zone mm-hmm. in and teach you how to relax. You know, teach you how to relax when you're about to shoot. Teach you to calm down. And I really think that happens with athletics, where a lot of guys are a little, little too headstrong and just run in there. Sometimes you gotta use your head and you gotta take a deep breath, you know, and see what's going on. And uh, and uh, you know, you focus on that arrow. You know, focus on what you're doing. And uh, I really think bow hunting would help especially like a baseball pitcher or a quarterback or um, even a receiver catching the ball. Um, it, it goes into sports. It really does. You know, uh, bow hunting uh, really helps. And, and I wish I did that when I was younger. Yeah. You I know? used to spend a lot of time when, when I was home with, with my dad, him and I would go out bow hunting all the time when I was, when I was in high school and, and all that. We used to go shoot the video. There used to be a place in Saugerties, New York. I know right. you know where that is. Yes. Uh, they had a, it was called Alex Archery and they had an indoor shooting range that it was like a big movie screen at the end of the, of the shooting range. And you put these flat tip arrows, uh, um, heads on your arrows and it had a little reflector tape on the back and they play a video. So it'd be like a big elk walking across the screen and you had to wait for him to get in a position, draw, shoot. Right? And based on where you hit it on the screen, it came back like a video game and said that you made a, you know, a 10 out of 10 shot or a 8 out of 10 shot based on where you hit it on the animal. Right. That's great. That's what I mean. Zone in, focus on that. That's great for quarterback, especially. Oh, yeah. Just Zone to in. focus, just to block out all the noise or pressure around you and just do what you got to do. All right. Sure. Hey, this next one, I, I love talking with people from New York about this one because they almost always agree with me. It's a fight for me out here in Michigan. Chicken wings. How do you eat them, and what do you dip them in? All right, first of all, if there's no, you have to have extra blue cheese. If you don't have extra blue cheese, don't even bring the plate over. You know, uh, recently I've been yeah, yeah, exactly. Recently I've been going a little more mild wings. Uh, I'm, I'm I turned 50 years old, so my stomach and uh, you get a little bit older. But I used to like hot wings. Now I go mild. They still have the nice uh, hot sauce on them, but you gotta have extra blue cheese with them. And um, I like the forearms more, you know, than the, than the, uh, the biceps. Yeah. Put it right in, pull it right out. You get two bones. If you do it right, you, get, if you do it right, like in New Yorker, you only have two bones left. Yep. You're done. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Right. You know, absolutely. You remember that? Oh, I, I, hey, I do it out here, and people look at me like, "What? Yeah. Oh, that's how you eat those? Yeah, this is how you eat them. Watch me, and stop dipping them in ranch." Yeah, right? that's hey, what they do out here. Yeah, I will have to say something. Buffalo Bills fans and Buffalo really did start that. And around Super Bowl 25, right right around then, it was when it really took off in New York, a little before that. But I got to give the Bills fans some credit because they, they really pushed the wings thing. And it came down to New York, really, it blew up in New York City and New York yeah. suburbs, really, the suburbs of New York. I mean, you can, go, you can get good wings anywhere. I can, get, I can go 20 places in Monroe, one town, and get wings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're few and far between out here, but I got a place right, right, right in a town, right down from me. It's actually inside an ice arena, so there's sheets of ice 
uh, on either side and upstairs in the middle overlooking both ice arenas is a restaurant and they got some good wings like we would order at, at home in New York. There you go. Hey, one, one of the ingredients uh, with the hot sauce, throw butter in when you're making the house heat it up and that butter helps it stick. That's the big reason that, that the wings taste good. And it sticks to it, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a little, little thing there. Yeah, a little, 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 little New, New York, York secret. Hey, hey, you know what the other thing is? The uh, the people that want to order chicken nuggets with wing sauce on it and call them boneless wings. Uh, no, no comparison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> notice, notice, all you boneless wing eaters. A true New Yorker, Coach Tim Somerlad. He doesn't. He's not even going to entertain that 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 statement right there. No comparison. I, I, I'll go for 20 nuggets just because of the price of it and a quick drive-by, but there's no comparison to regular wings or bones in it. There's no – take it from me, seriously. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Right. You can go barbecue, teriyaki, but you got to go bone. You got to bone in. Got to. And they're not wings if they don't have a bone. <laughs> no. All right, next one. No, it's just bread. It's just a point. Mr. Meat and Bread is all it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Your favorite exercise to train? My favorite exercise to train? Well, I'm going to do two parts. When I was younger, it was squats. And squats make the man. If you don't squat, if you want to play football and you want to really be a good football player, you got to hit the squat rack. Football, arms are for show, legs are for go. Everything's everything's squats, squats, squats. If I didn't do squats, I never would have played Past high school, never played on five semi pro teams. Um, never would have made a free in scouting combine. I know that. But um, nowadays, it's a little different. Uh, you know, I like my uh, I like my bench press, like dumb, dumbbell presses. I do dumbbells now. And I tell you what, if I was younger and I knew when I was younger, if I knew what I knew now, I would do more dumbbells because uh, the stabilization that it, that you need. And uh, just like pass blocking, you're not just going to go straight up on a guy. You still have to have that catenary or side-to-side -side movement he's going to have. The defense lineman, defense lineman is going to have that side movement. So dumbbells really does help. Start out with powerlifting. With, you know, start out with a bar. Tell all the kids there, start out with a bar for two years. And once you get stronger, once you bench press over like 250, 300, you better start doing dumbbells. Dumbbells really help. Especially, like I said, pass blocking, dumbbells. Absolutely. We, we throw them in and accessory yeah. work all the time out here. Um, your favorite sport to play? Yeah. I already know the answer to this question. Favorite sport is football. Mm -hmm. Yep, you know that, uh, especially center. You know, I wish I was a running back, but that never happened. They always had me grazing with the hogs. <laughs> Old line. <laughs> me too, buddy. You know, that was so the next question, one is yeah. your the next one's your favorite sport to watch. I'm just gonna move right on past that because I already know what that is. Uh, your favorite food. Oh, that's a tough one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say lasagna. Lasagna probably was a side of meatball, but definitely lasagna. You mm. know, I I have tried I've tried other things. I am a firehouse cook, you know, I've made other things, but right behind that was crab cakes. Lasagna first. And um, honorable mention will be the crab cakes there, you know. But Absolutely. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not too picky though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, none of us old linemen ever are, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Last one in the speed set questions is your favorite music genre to train to. Okay, favorite music actually, um, Alice in Chains, 
was big with me. I listen to Alice in Chains when I lift. Um, Raising Against Machine, I'm a little bit older. You know, like I said, Raising Against Machine was another big one. Um, you know, a little bit of Pearl Jam, more than that here that, that and there. Uh, some Guns N' Roses, I'm dating myself again. Guns N' Roses. Uh, who else? Is it? Lincoln Park is really good. That, that, that had my throat was lifting to all that. And uh, Lincoln Park presets the tempo, you know? Oh, yeah. That's that's another good one. I, I think you might lift your friends, your sons to the, uh, your, your players to that too. But uh, mm-hmm. I would say Lincoln Park and uh, House of Chains gets fired up. Mm-hmm. You know, rock music, you know? man. I love it. But, I love it all. Have, have you listened to uh, Five Finger Death Punch? Have you heard of that band? <laughs> not really. Not really. You got to check those guys out. They're, they do some good cover songs too that you'll really like. Five Finger right. Death Punch. I'll check them out. Yeah. And, and nothing beats old Led Zeppelin either. You can throw that on. Led Zeppelin oh, no. never gets old. Oh, no. and, and, and we're gonna we're gonna come back to to music a little bit later in the podcast. You know, stay tuned, folks. A little bit later in the podcast, Coach Tim Summerlad will pick his weight room song of the week uh, to add to our Iron Dread podcast weight room song of the week playlist. So, Coach, uh, we kind of talked about uh, briefly. You know, you were a fireman in the FDNY. You played offensive line and football. You were a throws coach. Uh, kind of what, what's your story? Like where, you know, where did you grow up? How did you get into football and all the things that you wound up doing now? You said you're, you know, be 52 years old. You said, how, how did you uh, kind of get to where you are? Okay. Sorry about that. I, I couldn't hear half what you said. All right. Anyway, well, I was born Rockaway, uh, Breezy Point, New York, in Queens. And for it's almost four years old, we moved up to Monroe. Uh, Monroe Woodbury High School was where I went to high school. Um, I want to start out though with a Pop Warner. We had the best Pop Warner you could have. Great coaches. That was a great foundation. And it was a great feeder program from the Monroe Pop Warner system to Monroe High School. Um, I thrived there, played uh, center, uh, varsity center for a few years there. And uh, I loved playing center. And my thing was, uh, I also threw shot put, and I kept in good shape where I was only up to 220 pounds playing. And, and years ago, that was a big weight, but it wasn't really a big, big college weight. So uh, I was kind of slightly overlooked, I would say. And I went to throw shot put at Delhi. But a year later, I was up to 275. I, I, I matured late, you know. So if I matured early, I would have been 275 in high school. But went on to uh, throw shot put, loved it. You know, I was a state, uh, state competitor in high school with the States. And uh, I stuck with me. So I did shopping for a while. And um, I missed football for a little while. And then I had a big chip on my shoulder, real big chip on my shoulder. And because of that, I went to uh, Newburgh Raiders. They had a good team. They were a really good team, undefeated. So I walked on to Newburgh Raiders. Um, I was 280 pounds then. I, got a, I made a starting position right away. Clicked right on with those guys. They were a great team. We won the Empire Football Championship every year. And uh, I learned from the best because uh, they had Mike McLaren, who actually was a Washington Redskin. Um, he actually was uh, Mark, Mike, uh, Mark May's backup, and Joe Gibbs was his coach. So what a great offensive line coach to learn from. I mean, he, he took me from a boy, to, a boy to a man. Great coach. Uh, Ed Christensen was the head coach who was a broke all the records of Marist. Great fullback uh, before that. So I learned from the best. And um, I played on a bunch of other semi-pro teams. Um, the Monroe Stars, also on the Orange County Bulldogs, the Brooklyn Mariners, and then I finally went down to FDNY football team. I got in the FDNY, thank God, I became a fireman. Best thing ever happened to me, FDNY. 
and uh, became captain of that team by working hard. Um, I played five years in the FDNY, and uh, I couldn't play any longer because of my lungs. We'll get back to that later. But I loved it, and I, loved, I played football. We won a national championship. I was 33 by then. So I played football when I was 33, and I did come back when you're at 38 years old to play again. And uh, oh, I could barely get out of bed at 38, but the love of the game brought me back, you know. I think I met you the next year after that. But I played football until I was 38, because I couldn't get out of bed anymore. That's how much I loved it. And that's, that's the sport gave me so much, you know. And a lot of it was a shot put drills. Shot put was a great back line, round. If you guys are out there, any offensive lineman, you should throw a shot put. You should do those drills, especially with Coach Chris uh, Whitaker knows the stuff. He'll turn you into an animal, man. And, and those shot put drills get you so explosive. It helped me so much. People are like, where did you get the punch from? Where would you get the hip drive from? A lot of it's from the shot put drills and hitting that squat rack. I will always go back to the squat rack. Arms are for show, legs are for go. <laughs> we should make a shirt up for that, coach. We, we can. We can. We can make. We can make shirts. Shirts up for that. For, for I used that. to love. Push, I used to love pushing around guys with big arms and with their little skinny calves on them. You know, mm -hmm. you knew you knew they were going to have a long game when you saw those little skinny calves out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> And then, so, it, I, then I, I, you I, I, went I, I, on to become a coach, to right? Yeah, uh, I wanted to become a coach. What happened was I, my lungs were damaged 9-11. I thought, uh, as a matter of fact, I lost 22 guys on, on our team from FDMY. God bless, uh, on 9-11. So mm -hmm. I was single, no kids. I dug every day. I was at the firehouse, and we dug, and like they would for us. And um, unfortunately, I couldn't play anymore. Um, my lungs were really bad. The lung capacity went from 103% running every day to 44%. So I started coaching. Um, I had to retire from the FDNY, so I went back and I coached the O-line for them. And I coached 17 years Pop Warner with the O-line. Um, I coached the JV, and uh, I, I, I love it, man. Football is my life. I, when I, if I can't sleep at night, I'll just run football plays through my head. You know, mostly a counter tray or a long trap or a short trap, something. And I tell you, it works. You, you fall asleep that way. Oh, yeah. um, the one thing I will say, the first, the one thing I say, Coach, all you linemen out there, the first step is the most important thing um, that I coached. If, if you don't have that first step off the line, you're going to get beat. So work on that and then build from there. You know, you can build on everything else off of that. You know? Yeah. And if you don't have a first step, you're, you're, you're getting beat. If that guy across from you is any good, he's blowing you up and, mm -hmm. and you're done. For sure, we're actually working exactly. on doing a doing another a podcast because uh, right now I coach. I'm the strength coach for our school, and I coach the lower level football, the JV freshman guys, and then our varsity coach who wound up. He actually my first year I coached varsity, and then when I started the strength program, I took a step back. Um, so our varsity O line coach now he played O line for Greg Fry at Indiana. Wow, no kidding, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so we are we're working on doing a, an O line based episode. So I might have to get you back on here, and we'll uh, we'll talk all offensive line with three three of us old uh, retired offensive linemen. I'm good. I'm in on that. Heck yeah! Let me know. That sounds great. So you, you started coaching, right? You said you coached football at a bunch of different levels for a long time, and you coached the throws. And that and that's where I wound up meeting you and becoming friends with you 
was, you know, hey, I, I saw you every weekend for how many years from November to June we would see each other, indoor, outdoor. That was uh, six years in a row we saw uh, Nine months later, you see you in July and August, in September. That was about it, maybe. Well, actually, so yep. November through June. Yeah. Yep. yep. November, November through June. We'd have we'd have a track meet every weekend. Coach Lomelad and I be hanging out. Uh, Judy yep. Judy Stalter from Middletown, Sam Acevedo, right? The, yep. your, your counterpart there, coaching the boys' throws. You know, Coach Somerlad coached the girls, and, and we used to we used to have a lot of fun, and we we had some great kids on on all our teams. And yes, the did. cool part I think about that situation was we all interacted with each other and each other's kids. Like yes. you, come, you come up and talk with my kids. I talk with your kids. We both go talk with, to Judy's kids from Middletown. And we had a, a relationship and a, like a, a good little community yes. over there in our, our throwing area. You know, we did. We really had the camaraderie and the sportsmanship. Was, you can't match the, the, the throwers with that. I mean, I, I've been all around. Distance runners are close, but the throwers – have that camaraderie where, where they're laughing, joking, almost like old line. They're like a bunch of old linemen, but, you know, I mean, uh, Kingston getting along with Monroe, Middletown, everybody together. And uh, I had the same thing in college, but not as much as that high school, the high school throwers, man, they, they get along, you know. And um, I still remember guys from high school, 35 years now, I'd give him a big hug. You know, a guy from Washington, Greg Morecki. He was my – I'd beat him, you know, by an inch. All of a sudden, he throw beat me by two inches, and we go at it, you know, and now we still talk, you know. It's great. It's great. As a matter of fact, I beat him. I beat him out for states by like three inches, and uh, he didn't talk to me for about six months. Then all of a sudden, you know, but he beat me outdoors in the discus, so he got me back. Yeah, you know, it, it's fun though. Hey, yeah, we but. we even got along. We you know we're talking about all these coaches. Hey, we 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 didn't even shout out uh, Carmen Peter over there at uh, Newburgh Free Academy. She was another one that was in there with us. And Kingston, for Kingston, Newburgh, and Monroe to all get along with each other, that that's saying something. That is. And also, we did have Tom Fossil, but uh, Tom oh, yes, Fossil Tom. from Marlboro, but he definitely oh, yeah. he had to do. Uh, yeah, he wanted to be extended over to the runners too. So he he always yeah. looked over to throws, which was old with us. He knew our camaraderie. I remember him mm -hmm. over by the track, which was by us. You know. Oh yeah, I how can I forget Tom? I, uh, I've I've been I've been needing to catch up with him. He he's a good man. Great guy. He's a great guy, man. Yeah. So great we got I got to get him on the on the show as well. He too. told I me mean, a lot about video. And, oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He he really helped me with the video part of it. Where I would I would you know more or less just coaching and he really showed me how to break it down with the video, and show the kids all that and uh, that 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 was a big part of my uh, end of my throwing uh, coaching career with that you know. Oh yeah. We we had some fun. For sure. So, um, so coach, um, the the next thing I will, would like to bring up is your time in the fire service. You know, obviously, uh, for for me, I have a ton of respect um, for all public servants, police, fire, military, EMS, 
Um, so anytime I can get somebody that was a professional in that field on, um, it's, it's always a, a pleasure for me. I have my, my buddy, uh, Andrew Cofaldo. He's a 911 dispatcher in Ulster County on not too long ago. We talked about this, but, um, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about your time in the fire service. So when did you start for the FDNY? Were you a volunteer before you became professional? Uh, kind of how, how did you get involved with the FDNY? Well, Okay. Well, when I was a kid, you know, when I was, as a matter of fact, I was born, my dad was in a fire academy when I was born. So it's, it's a little legacy there. My dad was a fireman, my two uncles, I actually have three cousins that are firemen and my brother-in-law. So well, as a little kid, I was going to ladder 40 in Harlem, 37 to 40. And uh, the camaraderie there was just like the throwers. I mean, real brotherhood. And these guys are great firemen. I'm talking about 1974, 1975, Harlem was burning. And that was after the Bronx started burning. And Harlem was burning where he was working. And you'd see these guys going to work. And, man, and they were just, you hear glass breaking, you'd see the fire, and you'd see all this commotion going on. Because my dad whooped, and um, they're pulling people out of the building. I never saw such, like, teamwork and camaraderie and brotherhood. And they were heroes, man. You see them pulling people out that would have died, you know. And uh, I, I, my whole life, I, I wanted to fill in those shoes. I wanted to do that myself. And I was lucky enough to take the test. I missed the first test. I was 17. I missed it by like three months, the filing date. So I missed the 1987 test. And I took the 92 test. Loved it. Did, uh, did great on it. Got 99 a quarter on the written. I trained with a 40-pound vest all winter for three years. They postponed the physical. I got 100 on the physical. And uh, that was really good. So I wound up going on the fire department in 1997. Went to Ladder 30 in Harlem, Engine 59, Ladder 30, 133rd Street in Lenox. Great place. And, you know, one thing about the fire department, you got an all-county linebacker. you got an all-county softball player, all-county soccer, all-county basketball. Everybody's an athlete. Everybody can do the job. And you were the best. I mean, these guys, if, you, if you're going down, they're pulling you out. I mean, and, and like I said, it's just like it's, it's, it's like a football game. Going to a fire is like a football game times 10. Your heart's beating, you're pounding, and you know you're with the best guys around you. So you're just going, we're just going 100 miles an hour. You know, we're thinking about a job, and we learn, we learn every day. But we're going at it, man. And I would, I would give my right arm to be going up Lenox Avenue right now and making a turn on 137th Street in Harlem and hearing the engine saying 1075, and my lieutenant's banging on the glass. We got a job, we got a job. The intensity, just, oh, man. You get pins and needles, your heart's pounding. You know, then all of a sudden you get a report of the child on the third floor. You forget it. I mean, we're going. You know, and uh, I, my part was I just love breaking down the door. I was a force blanchery mostly, uh, Ironsman. I used to love that. You know, breaking down the door and I go in with search, and then you had a little quick, most like a wide receiver, be quick, quick uh, search guy. You know, everybody had a position really. We all have different positions, but you know, you put your certain guy in a certain spot. You know, so I bust down the door and then have a quick guy search that room real quick. You know, and um, you get another guy. You got to go up to the roof sometimes seven, eight floors. You got to walk eight stories with 100 pounds of stuff on. You got to get to that roof. You better be an athlete because not only when you get to that roof, now you got to work and you're sucking wind and you got to vertically vent that roof and get all that smoke out of there, which will let the engine push the line in and, get, and, and push the fire out. So there's a lot of athleticism, a lot of brotherhood, and a lot of training that goes into the fire department. And it's just so rewarding, man. Kids, kids waving to the street. People waving, thank you. And one guy who saved his mom in 1972, I mean, I was two years old. 
And he's thanking somebody did who's the guy's probably even passed away by now. But it, it, it's just great, you know. And um, you know, the only the only bad well, nine eleven really put a damper on things. It really hurt us. We lost three hundred forty three firemen, and uh, you know that put a damper on it, man. And we dug. I dug nine months every day. I was at the firehouse digging. And if you were seeing all those kids, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was 22 guys on the FTY football team that we lost, 9-11. Uh, I could be here forever talking about those guys. Every one of them was great. Every one of them has their own story, um, you know. And I'm humbled by those guys and what they did, you know. And they weren't just heroes for dying that day. They were heroes for signing up for the job and being firemen. But it was luck of the draw. Who, who died that day. But I will say all the rescue units, my friend Bronco was a lineman. He passed away. And uh, just whatever. Those guys were – I knew I lost a bunch of friends driving down to a trade center for 100 miles an hour. We already knew we lost a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, we remember them 19 years later. And, um, you know, we got the patches to remember them all on. And uh, that's it. They live on with us. And uh, I did send you a video of the bravest team. I was hoping you could spread that around. But – uh, yeah, so anyway, it, it's upsetting. I get a, little, get a little choked up with that. And we'll never oh, forget for sure. those guys, you know. No, we'll, we, will, yeah. we will never never forget so, those three, individuals. Three yeah, and that, and this is, this is the yeah. perfect week for you to come on because I feel like, especially out here where I am um, and across around the whole country, I feel like people are forgetting – what happened that day? They're not remembering the sacrifices that were made for our country that day. They are. They are forgetting. You know, and, and you know what? I mean, time heals old, old wounds, they say. But to me, this was yesterday. 9-11 to me was basically yesterday because I can't forget those guys. We can never forget the, the men. We can never forget the people. We can never forget the civilians. You might want to try to forget the tragedy itself, but never forgive, never forget is what I say. We can never forget those guys. And, uh, you know, they, they, they were going 100 miles an hour, just like they were in a football game. But it was real life, you know. That's one good thing about football. You get to go home. Knock, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, sorry, low battery. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, so what happened to those guys was a shame, you know. Uh, but that's it. We got to live on, you know. And uh, I think about them every day. And uh, you know what? We, we never won a national championship before they died. And uh, the year after they died, we rebuilt the team. We had 107 guys come out for the team. Um, and really rebuilt it. And then that was 2002. And we had some, we had some, some growing pains. We were hurting. Next year in 03, I, I was lucky enough to become captain of the team. We beat the heck out of the cops for the first time. They beat us 9-0 in a row. We finally beat them. And we won the national championship. It was LAPD. And it was mostly because just the remembrance of those guys and really working twice as hard in practice. We worked so hard in practice those two years that the, the comp game was a day off. And that's our Super Bowl. Like, we worked that hard for it. And um, the pinnacle was was beating LAPD, 38-37, 100 degrees, 100 humidity. They thought I was going to wait down, so they put five nose guards on me, but I took care of all those guys. And uh, it was a, it was all because of the guys the guys were behind us, you know? Yeah, you weren't stopping the bravest that day. We were, we were unstoppable, exactly. We were unstoppable that day. And uh, we, we felt it in the air. We felt the brothers in the air, man. We, since then, we've gone on. They've gone on with like four national championships. And uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, the team has really improved a lot. You know. Now the, yeah, the so league good. before. I mean, we we had. I want to talk more about this because I I don't think people know, um, especially people outside of the New York area, that the New York City Police Department, the New York City Fire Department, they they compete against each other, in all kinds of different things. Yes. Um, and, and we'll talk about that. Yes. Let's kind of put a bow on, you know, kind of wrap up our our kind of nine eleven talk here. Um, and you know, hey, we we dedicate this show right here to the remembrance of those guys. This is a you know uh, episode forty on our show as I record this, and I want everybody listening to take a moment um, after you finish listening to Coach Summerlad and I talk it up and uh, have some fun because it's going to get fun after this, and it's been fun before. But just take a moment and and remember those three hundred and forty three guys. And remember the 20 players that were on the team out of that 343. Because as I said, people, people are forgetting about it. And I know in my, all my classes uh, in school on, on 9-11, I will be taking the time to remind them. Because high school kids, most of the high school kids right now, they weren't born when this happened. But even in a virtual setting, we're going to oh, remind them. You're right, Jim. They weren't born. Yeah, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna remind them so they don't ever forget. All right, I just had to plug in. You're all good. You're all good. Sorry for the audio, folks. We're we're on on two different uh the different sides of the country here. We're getting we're getting it going. Um, so that kind of puts our, our puts our bow on on nine eleven talk. We we can move on to some fun stuff, but talk about the firemen of New York City versus the police department of New York City. The bravest, the bravest versus the finest. That's great. You know, and there's a guy called Pudgy Walsh. Okay. He passed away. He was a legend and he was an old football player and he got injured and he started Brooklyn Mariners, which is a semi-pro team. And it was in Brooklyn and half the team was firemen, half the team were cops. So in 1973, he starts an argument with the police. He says, well, we can beat you guys in football. And the cops yell back at him saying, no, we can beat you. So 1973, he went out and got a team. You know, and uh, actually, the first year, they lost 21-22 police. And uh, ever since then, it's been going on. And it was dead even, dead to even about until about 1993. Then the cops won nine in a row. They, they, uh, they beat us nine in a row. And then uh, – so 2002, we still lost. 2003, we came back and we finally won. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack again. You know, every year, these guys practice, and they would have six games. But the real big game was that cop Super Bowl, that cop game. Mm-hmm. And we love each other on the street. We protect each other. We have each other's back in a fire or a bad situation in, in New York City. But we, we hate them on game day. And it's a rivalry. It's a great rivalry, you know. I mean, the hitting that goes on is really good. And not only that, you'll get some of the guys on the fire department team who used to be on the PD so it's even it's even bigger now because now they want a piece of that guy like you know like he wants the fire department now like my linebacker did so uh, it was really I tell you it's it's really rewarding when to get on that field and be a part of that game a fun city ball the finest versus the bravest and it's almost it's probably even bigger than Jets Giants I'm telling you because in the street it is uh, the the, the, the blue collar people the blue collar people in New York it really is bigger and that's because everybody wants to be a copper fireman around here and uh, that's another honorable thing. I love that, you know, that they do that. And, um, 
you know, we raise, we rise above because of them. Like they, the cops get better every year. They got guys coming out of college. They're younger than we are. So it makes you, it makes you work that much harder, you know, and they do have four times the amount of guys. I'm not making an excuse, but because they have the loaded gun, because they have that loaded gun, we got we to gotta come out of the gate every year, you know? Yep. So yeah. uh, four, four times the amount of guys to pick from on the force. And you know what? The guys are bigger now. I'm telling you, I was, I was playing at 305 sometimes, 310, 315, and there was only two of us over 315. Now there's half the team's over 280 now. There's, there's some big boys now, you know, and it's great to see that, that going on, you know. And we all owe it to Pudgy Walsh who started all that back in 1973. You know, my dad would have played, but he had, he was had my mom was having his fourth kid by then. Uh, actually, fifth kid. Wow. Fifth kid on the way. Yeah. So, but yeah. great rivalry. I, mean, I want everybody to, sorry. Um, I want everybody to watch the Cal Fire game if you get a chance. Uh, you should, every year you should put it on YouTube. It comes on, you know. This year we didn't have it because of COVID. So uh, yeah, so they 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 don't know if they're going to play it this year or. Well, actually, you know what? It's usually a June game, and they didn't have it here. They want they want, but you know they couldn't have everybody bleeding on and snotting all over each other. You know, yeah. <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. They mm-hmm. couldn't have it this year. You know, plus the crowd. They want it, and believe me, the players want to have it. But oh, players yeah. want to have it, and coaches want to have it. But we couldn't have it. No. Yeah, but people can go back and, and watch yeah. past games on It's a great rivalry, man. Um, so now it's it's not just it's not just football. Like I've I've seen a lot of different things. Like the, the police and the firemen in New York City compete in a bunch oh, no. of stuff. A, the hockey game is great. I mean, you know, one year it was uh on four, it was just a fight, but it's every year it's, it's you know, the reason there was a fight that one because they're so into it. And uh, you train all year. These guys work out all year long. Oh, we got to be the cops here. We got to be the cops here. And if you don't, it's, it's for a whole year. It's painful. They're laughing at you. You know, they're, they're heckling you. They're, they might be, uh, you know, they're friends, but there might be somebody emailing you. But you know what? My, and uh, like I said, my coach puts a trophy in the window. The boxing, the boxing, that's another great thing. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. think about how many tough cops are out there. You, you know, there's some tough cops that can fight. And um, the firemen got a little better because of them again, but, you know. When you have that many good boxing cops, you got to get tough yourself, you know. Um, baseball now they have. They have basketball. Um, you know, the, the great thing about the firehouse is every firehouse has a hockey team. Every firehouse has a softball team, you know. So it, it, it's easy to pick, you know, pick some guys up. You get 300 fire companies, you're getting some players, you know. Yeah. And uh, same, thing, same thing with PD, you know. But it's great rivalry no matter what sport. You know, hockey is a bloodbath sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, in, in a good way, in a good way. Oh, yeah. Go well, because ho- hockey's like football. It, it's just – it's an alpha male sport, and you got two groups of alpha males that are going to get after it, and guys like us uh, love to watch that kind of stuff and be part of that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I've seen, too, that they, they even have um, powerlifting teams. I, I saw, I've seen, like, the, the police department, at least. I don't, know, I don't know if I've seen if the fire department has a, a powerlifting team. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's new. I don't know if they had it years ago. I would have done it if they did it years ago because uh, at one time I was benching over five. And, uh, but my squatting days were gone before that. But, but there's, some, there's some big boys out there and uh, some real big cops. Huh? But, you know what it is? That when you're a fireman, we go to medicals and they still break our chops about being heavy. I mean, when I was over 300. Mm-hmm. I, had top, I had doctors saying, hey, listen, you still got to go into fire. You know, your heart's pounding. You got that gear on. 
and they were trying to have us on a 280 was like their number. And, uh, you know, thank God I had at some, at some point I lowered my body fat, even though I was heavier. And I, and I told him, listen, I'm captain of the football team. We, you know, some of us got to play, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you still got to stay in shape. That's, that's another thing. You know, the, hey, you got to walk up to the area ladder at three in the morning and it's two degrees in Harlem, you know, you got to do your job. So what I used to do uh, with that squat rack later on, drop it down to one plate. Listen to this. I'm telling everybody this. If you want endurance to your legs, drop it down to one plate on each side and just go rep, go reps. And um, I had caught myself. I got tired one time on the area ladder. Started doing that workout. The next time I walked the area ladder, I wasn't even breathing heavy because I went for reps. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we have to do. You got to do the job. It's well, building that muscle. Job, you know? it's a young now, hey, man's job. For people, for people that might not know, tell them like that. Yeah. That area ladder is pretty damn high up there in the air. Like for people that don't know, like how how high are you yeah, going have, when you got to yeah. climb that ladder? Yeah, we, you know we have a hundred footer. It, if you're right under the building, you can go up to basically to the ninth floor, but it's really to the eighth floor. But you gotta remember something: you're climbing up there with a roof rope, halogen, and an axe. You know you got your gear on. Basically, you got 60 pounds of stuff on. Then if it's a top floor fire, you got a saw. You got to cut the roof. You got to you got to bring a saw, a rope. You got to bring all that stuff up. So you're talking about. Now I was weighing 310. Now I don't have my stuff on. Now I'm 410. And you're going eight stories up, seven stories up. Um, I was fortunate enough one time uh, on the fifth floor, I rescued a 400 pound lady, and we were full floor above the fire. She was above the fire, and uh, she would have died on the stairway going out of the fire. So we had to get her out. So here I am wrestling the 400 pound lady. And uh, let me tell you, it was the toughest thing I ever did, probably. You know, was just oh, getting her onto absolutely. the air ladder. And uh, plus, plus, they were stanging us, and the fire was below us. My boots melted from a 13 to a 9, you know? Wow. And uh, I actually got a hernia there. But anyway, that was tough. And uh, but yeah, that's, tough. that's where I heard my football coach in the back of my mind from high school. You know, you hear, you hear, uh, your best coaches in your mind, you hear the best five or ten in your mind, and, but things come back to you. My 11, I, I wasn't thinking about my, I don't put down baseball, but I had my football coach in the back of my, my mind when I was on 9 11. You hear, you hear those old coaches, they're still in your mind. Someday someone's going to have Coach Whitaker in their mind when they're doing the same thing. It all goes back, and I thank them for all that. I thank all my coaches for all they've done for me and uh, fellow players as well. You know, yeah. you don't realize how much you learn from other players too. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, sports, sports teach us a ton about life. Um, no, uh, yeah. Well, before we before we move on from the fire department stuff, you got any you got any good like fire, firemen? Like they love to rib each other. They love to to make jokes. They they have different different calls. They go on that that leave you. You know, every every time the fire department rolls out, right? Yes, it's an emergency, but there are sometimes you come up on things that are funny right like yeah. I, w- I was a volunteer in, in the town of Esopus and the, I can remember one time we had to go to an old folks home and there was a, a frequent flyer in there you know yeah, yeah. that would constantly call and oh, yeah. all the other firemen knew that it was going to be a little old lady that was saying you know she was having chest pains but really she was having gas yeah um, <laughs> So they sent me in to try and talk to her, and they know that you're not going to get anything out of it. They're all standing out in the hallway laughing at me. Oh yeah. You got any funny, uh, funny stories from your yeah, from your yeah, time I like that? Well, I mean, there was one guy in the Harlem River, 
and it was a big pileup. And, uh, you know, the guy, it was 3 in the morning, and he was still trying to drive his car. with four. He had four cars on top of him. I, I guess he had too much. I guess he had too much to drink that night. Coming from Manhattan, coming down to Manhattan, and he actually was still trying to drive his car. He was, he was turning the steering wheel, thinking he's driving. And, and uh, <laughs> here we are trying to help this guy. <laughs> I'm like, you're not driving anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You know, there's four cars on top. You know, uh, that was pretty funny. He had to be there for that one, but that was funny. Well, you know what? Um, yeah. One lady, she uh, we, we had CFRD run. Our engine company would always have CFRD run. So I'm in the engine that night, and they're like, oh, it's whatever, Mrs. Swan again. And, you know, she would sit there with her purse, her coat, her hat, and she needed a taxi ride to the hospital. Was all she needed. She needed a ride to the hospital. Hello? We're back there? Yeah, we're good. Go ahead. Uh, I got no volume. There we go. I got the volume back. I don't know what happened. I got a phone call. Sorry about that. No, oh, that's okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, the one lady, she always waited for a person. She did. One lady was waiting for a bus ride, you know. And, uh, matter of fact, I was on fire truck. Another one, we get a, a call from this woman for a water leak, okay. It's been leaking for four weeks. She calls us at 3.30 in the morning. It's like two degrees out. And we're like, wait a minute. It's been, it's been leaking for three, four weeks. You're calling us now. It's 3, 4 in the morning. Middle of winter because there could be a fire in five minutes and we have to save somebody else. So my lieutenant actually he shut down the half the building because he couldn't tell where the leak was coming from. It was a big leak. Now the other half of the building now is no water. So she never called us again because we finally <laughs> we finally shut down half the building. Now the whole A section's gone. Now one A's upset, two A's upset, three A's upset. You know, so she never called us again after that. You know, and uh, we'll get somewhere like somebody says. Uh, there's a food on the stove, and, and I locked myself out. But meanwhile, they wouldn't, they wouldn't pay for a locksmith. They didn't want to pay for a locksmith. So <laughs> they would make pretend there's food on the stove. But meanwhile, you go in there, I'm like, hey, wait, there's nothing cooking, you know? Yeah, they you just know. want you to come bust the door open. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then one, we got the, you get the characters on the firehouse that, 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 that are good people, but they, they, they entertain you. They, they come by, you know? And the one guy's street, his name was Street, because he wouldn't walk on the sidewalk. You know, his mom, him and his mom had a problem when he was a kid. I think his mom, somebody, you know, tried to take a purse or whatever. So this guy was 35 years old. And for 30 years, he was only walking the street. You know, but I see him every day. Hey, street, how are you, you know? But street was a good man. Street knew street knew how to get to the rear of every building. Like, if you you pull up and they hate street, how am I going to get to the rear? Oh, go through here, you know. Sometimes you ask people on the street how to get how to get to a certain spot, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, Harlem was great, great. But we worked at, we played at Sylvia's Restaurant. Apollo Theater. Um, it, it was it was busy, but that's what you wanted as a fireman. You didn't want to sit around, sit around getting fat in the firehouse. You wanted to do something, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was a great place to work. I loved it, Harlem. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. What, what, one more time. What call and, uh, station? Were you? What station too. were you at? When you were in Harlem, what station was it? I was in the Harlem Zoo. It was called the Harlem Zoo. Engine five nine, lad three zero, thirty truck. Yeah. I was a ladder. I was a ladder company. Well, shout out to all, shout out to all yeah. them guys and, and engine five nine and ladder three zero. Well, thank you. Yep. I'm sure you still. I'm sure you still got some yeah. uh, some buddies down there. You can share this uh, some, this podcast with. They can hear you talking about all the old stories. Some of them that might have been on those calls with you. Yeah, uh, yo, definitely, definitely do. I'll have, to, I'll have to send it out to a couple of those guys. You know. All right. So. Um, 
Now, my next question for you is, do you have anything exciting coming up in the near future, you know, either professionally or personally? Actually, you know what? Uh, mostly watching, I have three sons, uh, and I watch them. Well, I, mean, I still do my own thing, but you know what? We have three teenage boys, two teenage boys and, and a 10-year-old. Uh, one guy is 14, he'll be 15 next month. I have a 13-year-old and I have a 10-year-old, and uh, they all excel in football. They all excel in wrestling, basketball, lacrosse. They're doing it all. And uh, my 14-year-old, actually, he's 260 pounds, 6'1", 260. Um, he's way bigger than I was, and he learned from Pops, and he's pushing people all around. He's actually the best player I ever coached. My middle guy's a linebacker. He's real angry. He's, he's kind of got like a Napoleon. He's not as tall, but he's got that, that linebacker edge to him, like, you know, sideline to sideline. He likes to hit people. He probably makes 15 tackles a game. And then my 10-year-old is my quarterback. He's, he's built like mom. He's got a – a Fordham track scholarship wheels. You know, he's got feet on him, and it's totally different. It's great. You have a lineman, a linebacker, and a quarterback. So uh, I love how they're all different. And uh, oh, yeah. most of you have been living through them. I know it sounds pathetic to say that, but I tell you, man, it just just being with them keeps you busy anyway. You know, oh, and sure. I'm working on the house a little bit, trying to get some firewood done. You know, and like I said, I'm going to start bow hunting this month. And uh, actually, Saturday, we're going to start a bear hunt out here. There's so many black bear out here. Well, they say there's too many black uh, bear, but is there too many people? Who knows? But uh, definitely going to go bow hunting. <laughs> so watching my kids pretty much, bow hunting. I am retired. You know, I mess around with electricity here. I'm an electrician also. But I just like to do that more as a hobby. I, I love electrical work. Anybody out there? Um, whoa, something happened. You back. Right. If you want a location, do electricity. All right? I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of people like, you know, having those skills. And I, I, I talk about this with kids all the time. Like they'll come up to me and say, coach, like, I, I don't know what I want to do. And, you know, after high school and I said, well, you know, Hey, yeah, college is a great thing. I went to college and, you know, became a teacher, did all this stuff. Uh, but you know, for some people, college isn't really what's best for them. And maybe they want to go and learn a trade or they want to go to get a college degree in business, learn the trade yeah. and then open their own business doing that trade. Yeah. Well, that's why I went to Delhi for electrical. I threw shot put, I learned electricity. By the time I got to local three, uh, you know, I had a three, eight average at Delhi and then I went to a local three school and I had to take some of the classes over. So I got a three, eight again, I got 3.8 GPA and I was never a student in high school, but. You know what? It was something I liked. It was something I was interested in. And uh, I started fixing Christmas lights as a boy. My dad wouldn't do the lights, so I did them. And, uh, you know, hey, there's plumbing, there's electrical. Another one, there's air conditioning and refrigeration, HVAC, because you learn oh, yeah. plumbing, electrical, and AC. And you're always going to need AC. Yeah. So if I start over again, I would, well, besides being a fireman, I would do HVAC and also electrician because, uh, you know, it's a great trade. You're always going to need electricity. You're always going to need cold air refrigeration, and uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of trades out there, carpentry, welding. I mean, I mean right now, we're, we're, there's 70,000 welders in need right now with the economy. We're actually, America is short, at least 70,000 welders, just welders. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. not even, that's not even other trades, yeah. you know. And I know a lot of football guys like to work with their hands more than sitting at a desk. So don't mm -hmm. rule anything out, man. You take the fire test, be a carpenter. Take the fire test, be a plumber. You know, uh, I was an electrician. You can do whatever you want, man. The world is yours. Yeah. You know, land of opportunity. America. It is. It is. It is. If you're willing to work for it, you can get it. That's it. Hey, I had three jobs for 9-11, man. You know, I was a fireman. 
I was an electrician, and I hooked up the stoves and the projects in the city. We had a, we had a, my friend had a contract as a plumber, and who else to hire but a fireman because we're gonna hook it up safe. So yeah, I had three jobs till I couldn't do it anymore. You know, yeah, couldn't, couldn't and, keep and that pace up. But land of opportunities there. You so a nice house. You, you know? yeah, oh yeah. I worked for it. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned um, that you, know, you had an issue with your lungs that's had to kind of cause you to retire as a result of nine 11, you know, what, what happened? What, what, what was your diagnosis and what are you, yeah, well, what are you dealing with? Well, what happened was, uh, you know, I always, I don't want to say I really had survivor's guilt, but think about it. I mean, I was alive. These guys had passed away. My best friend, my three best friends pretty much away. 2,400 guys I knew. So I dug it almost every day and we were at the firehouse or we were digging. I was single, no kids. So, Anybody who's seen all those kids was digging. Some guys had, you know, family obligations. We didn't. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I was that year. I was actually down 285 that year. I lost weight the year 9-11. My arms were down to about 18 and a half inches. But I dug so much, my arms hit 21 inches by March just mm -hmm. from digging, just mm -hmm. from scraping frozen ground and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to recover body parts. We, you know, after it was rescue, the first week it became recovery. So we were down there in the cold. Thank God it snowed like once that winter. It was a miracle that that winter it snowed once and we were there every day. So my lung capacity went from 103% running every day to 44% by December of three. Um, so I was hiding from medicals until they finally caught up with me. And they said, you got to go, go down and take your medical. And so I went down and took my medical and the head FDNY pulmonologist said, how does Phoenix sound? So I knew right away. I was going to have to retire. Stay, one of the saddest days of my life besides 9-11. So that was it. So I had to leave the fire department. And, uh, you know, it's a memory, and it's a great memory and something I always cherish, you know. Sure. But, but yeah, but anyway, uh, like I said, we were digging with civilians too. And uh, that, that cleanup was amazing. I almost thought it rushed up too quick because they wanted to get Manhattan back rolling. But uh, it's amazing what people did. How everybody came together, camaraderie. All people, police, fire, um, you know, uh, servicemen from all over the place, or the Army, Na uh, National Guard, um, FEMA, everybody came together. Just and, and people on the streets just giving you water and uh, the candy, hot dogs, cigars, anything, wet, uh, fresh socks, underwear. I mean, they were helping us out, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was great to see everybody come together. Unfortunately, the times right now, I wish we got to come back together again. I think we need, uh, we need to unite again. Everybody's got to unite. You know, so I'm looking to help unite people these days, you know. Maybe that'll be my next step. <laughs> Amen to that, my friend. Amen to that. Yep, Any, yep. Anything interesting people might not know about you? Uh, anything interesting they might not know about me. I'm a good, well, I'm a good cook. Big cook. I love to cook. That's also with the fire department. That and uh, uh, also big fisherman. I like to fish a lot. Striped bass. Um, as a matter of fact, I caught, I caught a five-pound small mouth bass last week, but uh, that was that was another big thing. Um, you know, fishing was a big foundation for me, also. You know, just keep working, keep 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 the line in the water, man. And that's yep. the same thing with life. You keep your line in the water, keep your line in the water in life. You, you'll go places. Yep. Um, that's pretty much you know. Whatever. Keep trying. I, I keep trying. You'll catch something. Keep trying. You get something. Outdoors is a big part of my life. You know, thank God being out an outdoorsman. Um, 
that's it. I'm trying to think. Yeah. You got me on spot there with something. <laughs> that might that one's always, that one's always a, a, a fun <laughs> one to ask people. You know the the anything interesting people might not know about you. All right, uh, you know what it is? I'm a, I will say I, I will. Go ahead. Go ahead. I will say this. I'm a Gemini, which is split split person. I'm a split personality, so sometimes I'm like a teddy bear in the street, you know. But when you get between those white lines, you got to change. And I think that that helped me, my personality. As soon as I became, as soon as I stepped in the field, I became an animal. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to do. I mean, you know, there was a couple of times the guy wouldn't shake my hand after the game, and I'd feel bad about that. But you know what? We were in battle, and if the guy can't take it, it wasn't my fault. I mean, he, he's he's trying he's trying to hurt my quarterback. You got to think of it that way. He's trying to hurt my quarterback. Hey, I'm protecting that guy. So we went to battle a lot. And, um, you know, you should be kind to people on the street, treat people how you want to be treated, be as nice as you can be. But you get on that field, click. It has to change. And I taught my sons that at a young age. You know, I'd have them stand on the sideline be nice. I'd bring them over the white line. Now you're an animal. Or now you're a quiet boy. You know, you, <laughs> you know I said there's a teddy bear or, or a grizzly bear. That's the way I look at it, you know. My my high school coach, and I know you've heard of him, Coach Tom Lachlan. He used to oh, say, yeah. he used to say, all right, you know, you, you take your helmet, right? When the helmet's off, you're a good model citizen and human being. When you reach those fingers in those ear holes and stretch the helmet out, pull it down, and he would pull it over his head and do like the like a, a metallic like. Yes. Now you're an animal. <laughs> yeah, he was a great coach. <laughs> he he's another one I'd love, I would love to have on here. You know, he he was one of my major influences growing up for sure. Hey, one second. He was a great coach. Yeah, I mean, I love playing for him. I know, I know all the guys that uh, all the guys that I was on, you know, played high school ball with were. Uh, with them and, and I just noticed I just found today actually um, you know sorry folks we're doing a little New York talk here but uh, CT Chatham former head coach of Newburgh Free Academy he's starting his own podcast oh no kidding wow that's good yeah. good yeah, coach uh, yeah it's on uh, on Spotify him him and coach Lachlan were rivals uh, but they well, I, uh, you know come to find out they were also friends Oh no! Your coach. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was he was he coaching when I was in high school in '87? I mean, I think he I think he was there. Um, uh, you guys had Jerry. Listen to this. We, you guys. It was the first year that that came to the Newburgh came to Section Nine. We 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 the Monroe was top dog. So we had to deal with Kingston Newburgh. So Kingston comes down. They have this guy Jerry Drake who went up on the Arizona Cardinals, and on the other side you had Alan Young. It was on the Jets and the Kansas City Chiefs. Think about that. Think about trying to block those guys on both ends. Now, here I am, and I'm in the center, and I'm checking backside, and it didn't matter which side you went to because the other guy got him. Like, I go to Jerry Drake, Alan Young make the sack. I go to Alan Young, Jerry Drake make the sack. So um, they beat us on a homecoming that year, and that was, that was a tough pill to swallow. And Newberg paid the price the next week because we were so mad that we went to Newberg and we beat them on their homecoming. They pretty much chased us to the bus, man. We got on the bus real quick, got out of there. But all I'm trying to say was you guys had a – what an incredible talent they had there and, and good coaching. Uh, I know it paid off you, you know, Kingston. I know it was paid off for you as a coach. Great place up there. For sure. I've learned, I've learned a ton. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you told me earlier that your, your brother is, is now a, uh, a member of the Kingston Tiger Nation there in New York. 
My brother, yeah, he was a he's a well, he's a real tough act to follow. That guy he was a real good running back at 420 mile in high school. He probably could still kick a 50 yarder. Um, and uh, he was the best pop Warner coach I've ever seen. I mean, he would he would take what the best players could do, and he would work with them. He wouldn't just have his plays. He would design his plays around a player, and that wasn't what most people did. Most people had the players conform around his plays. But if he knew if he had a good wing, he would design his plays to that guy, you know. And um, he went up to um, – he, he's done a lot with track and field. He'll go to high school and make that team a lot better. And um, he's a really good distance coach too. So with the track and field and the football, I'm, I'm sure he's doing cross country. I'm sure he's doing cross country, but that team's going to get a lot better, you know, yeah. the way he trains. And he, he, he practices what he preaches. He practices what he preaches. That's why, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. So, Kingston, we're glad to have him. Now, I, I know um, a guy I used to coach with is still there, coaching track, uh, Joe Cahill. Uh, he's a good guy. Yes. So, I, I wonder, I'm going to text Joe and uh, make that connection if he doesn't already know about your about your brother so they can uh, hook up. Because I know that Joe's looking for, well, he has in the past. I don't know if he still has. I haven't talked to him in a few months. But in the past, he's he's always been looking for more people to help with the track program. So I'm I'm, I'm sure they've run across each other. I know they have. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely have in the past. Because my brother was also at O'Neill for a while. Okay. Um, you know, smaller program there. And he built up O'Neill. It was a smaller program. So, uh, yeah. I know when those Kings coaches came down, they did a great job. And, uh you guys all came down together, all the young crew. Mm-hmm. You and uh, it was Cahill. I forget the other guy's name. It was like three or four of you guys. Yeah, Marcel all came Lucchese. down together. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Good coach. Yep. Yeah, we we had yeah. we had a lot of fun good. coaching coaching all those years of track together. I miss those guys. I need to get Joe Cahill and Marcel on the on the show as well. But all right, coach. Well, I won't keep you too much longer. We got two more pieces of business before I let you go. Uh, and, and the first mm-hmm. one is we have a, a tradition, as I mentioned earlier, that every time we have a guest on the show, they get to pick our weight room song of the week. And we have a Spotify playlist where I put these songs into this playlist. So uh, each guest picks their Iron Dread weight room song of the week. It goes on the playlist. I play a little little snippet of it in, at the end of each episode, but everybody goes and listens to it. So I'm wondering from you, uh, Mr. Tim Somerlad, what would be your choice? All right, we're going to go with Lincoln Park. I'm about to break. Okay. 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 Well, we have audio so problems. I don't know if you heard yeah. uh, Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. You got you – got, I'm, um, I'm going to go with Lincoln, Lincoln Park. I'm going to go with Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln Park. I'm about to break. Okay. Everything you say to me. Because I'm about to break. That's a yep. great lifting song. That's a great motivator. Um, I, I, oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm surprised. My friends will be shocked that say Alice and Shanks, but uh, Lincoln Park, man, that's a great uh-huh. song. That, matter of fact, the t- 2005 uh, Ube team used to blast that, I believe, um, oh, the yeah. locker room. They helped them win the state that year. So, it's yeah, little, little I, I, I remember. There. I remember when the Monroe Woodbury team won the won the states in in 2005 because they beat the Kingston High School Tigers at Deet Stadium. That was my senior year of high school. We lost uh, to uh, what was his name? He went and played at uh, Hamilton, I think it was Hamilton Greg, College. Yeah, Colgate. Colgate. Uh, Greg Sullivan. 
Jack Stone played at Colgate. He's my best pop one player, that kid. What a great mm -hmm. player. He, he had the ball fakes, and uh, he was a great kid, just as good uh, as a player as he was a person. Mm -hmm. um, he broke all the records at Colgate, and he could have went to a bigger school, but you know what he did? He said, why well, go to a bigger school and maybe not play? Or he goes, well, go to Colgate, and he broke all the records there. And he was like, to this day, he's like the, the mayor over there. And um, mm -hmm. he, he was a tough kid in eighth grade, and I went up to his mom, and I said, I, I think you have a Division one player. And she, she didn't want to hear it. She just wanted to keep making him work every day. And that kid worked hard every day. And um, he was a, he was a, a great example of, of uh, success they, and hard they work. Ran, they ran the hell out of that yeah. zone read. And at that point, nobody had seen it. And they, there was times when he'd keep the ball and the rest would blow the play dead. Losing because the goal. ball fake was so good. Um, they it would they would blow the play dead because he was so good at that mesh and putting that yes. ball in the, and riding that mesh and reading that defensive end man it was yeah. he was really good really good yeah you, you know he you did, did not want to be with them twice yeah you did not want to be at the end against uh, Greg Sullivan with that spread and uh, he made his running backs look even better and you know Coach Deliso who's a legend at Monroe man he was my assistant when I was there and the year after I left he became head coach in 1988 but anyway he went to see Urban Meyer. He actually visited Urban Meyer and watched everything he did and went to the conferences with him. And they only let the real uh, good coaches in there, I think. But he learned a lot. And to Deliso, to actually go to somebody else, it had to be someone good. So mm -hmm. he learned that, that spread. And um, they went they went to the States, I think, five times. And they, they lost uh, four out of five. And I think they went again at 13. But from, from 2005 to 2009, I believe it was, they went every year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was a spread. And just the kids bought in. And I had a big, they did have a big old line. I helped design that old line with Tom Kennedy, uh, actually 2001, they were in eighth grade. And uh, Ganella, Scalia, Thorson, Ben Cosme, McHale, uh, uh, Barry, Barry, and Doyle. And, we, and there was a bunch of guys there. We, we mixed these guys around. So we had the perfect setup, and it stayed. Listen to this. That offensive line stayed the same from eighth grade all the way through. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why it was so good. Another reason it was so good in front of him. Absolutely. You know? But the teamwork, man, and yeah, Absolutely. baby I steps. I remember having a having a block. I think they had a a little tiny nose, a little little quick sucker down inside. I think I think it was it, it was either when we coached against you guys or or when I was playing. They had a a tiny a tiny little nose. He was way undersized, but man, when that ball twitched, that kid was in the backfield and in a snap of the finger. I'm trying I to remember. Yeah, what what year was that now? It would have been, I think it was 2005. It was one of it. He he was a little tiny guy. I I will never, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never remember his name. Yeah, had a couple of good guys. I remember Dolbaum. I hope the guys get mad at me because there was a couple of really good dudes back then that were there. Keith Hale was a linebacker. I don't know if it was him. Keith Hale was a really good guy. He might have played on some other line. But there were some tough guys that coached there. Keith Hale, uh, Dolbaum. Um, you know, guys can get mad at me now. But I need some good players. You know? It's hard to hard to remember everybody, but yeah, we we did a lot of battle. Well, coach, the last thing I got for you before I let you go uh, is: Are there any um, social media handles that you'd like to put out there for anybody that listens to this podcast, wants to uh, follow you, maybe shot, shoot you a message and tell you that they enjoyed the show or anything like that? Any social media handles that people could follow you okay. at? Social media? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. 
Uh, actually, yeah, I'll be back on Facebook. I'm probably going to be off with some office, but I'll be back on September 12th. And, uh, and, and I'm on Twitter also. You know, I want to start coaching again, Coach. Uh, I got the itch to come back, you know. I took some time off, and it's time to come back. So I'm, I want to coach one of my sons too. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I might be on the high school level, you know. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah. I do want to say one thing. I do want to say one thing to the kids out there. You know, I was a little short and I was a little lightweight uh, in high school. And don't ever let people say you can't do it because you can do it. And uh, I was too long. I did make it to the free agent scouting combine. The problem was they didn't know I was turning 32 in two days. Everybody else was 24, 25, right? I was the old man. And I played great. But guess what? It was way, way, way too late. And I'm just – my message here is – don't wait too late. Don't you know? I, I found out on my own that I could do things without. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not talking about coaches. I'm talking about other people, other kids. Like telling you can't do this, or, or don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do it. That's what I'm trying to say. Because you can do it. Everyone, everyone out there has a shot. Everyone here has a, an opportunity to do whatever you want to do. It's a land of opportunity out here, and sports is just part of it. You know, and it's the best part, of it, I think. But Amen. that's about it. Um, don't Amen. anybody. Don't ever. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen. Amen. All right, coach. Well, I uh, I won't keep you any longer. I, I enjoyed talking to you and catching up with you and getting to have you on the show. And uh, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, people really enjoy your story and and hearing everything about your life and your times. And hopefully, they'll uh, they'll follow you on uh, social media, shoot you a message, let you know they enjoyed the show. So, Coach Somerlab, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Coach. Talk to you soon. Love you, brother. You Have too, a good man. day. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks again, Coach Somerlad, for coming in. Now, at the end there, he uh, did not mention his uh, actual social media handle. Uh, his Twitter handle is at SomerladTim. So, S-O-M-M-E-R-L-A-D. T-I-M. That is Coach's social uh, media handle if you want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, that's the only one. He's got Twitter and he's got Facebook, but Facebook is more of personal for him. So if you want to catch up with Coach, shoot him a tweet or a DM on Twitter. Also, we apologize for the bit of audio feedback that we had going throughout the episode. Uh, Coach was having some issues uh, with his internet um, we try to make it the best we could be. I try to clean it up the best we could, but we have that in the show here. I don't think it takes away from the show. So, again, we apologize for the interruptions in audio. So, folks, uh, we know we have one more piece of business to get to, and that, of course, is this week's Weight Room Song of the Week, presented to you by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. The Iron Dread Podcast is brought to you in part by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction, available for all your DJ and line dance needs. Please visit crankitupdjdancing.com for booking information. So crank it!
Tang again. That's right, it's time for this week's Weight Room Song of the Week. Brought to you, as always, by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. This week's Weight Room Song of the Week, chosen by our special guest, Coach Tim Somerlad, is One Step Closer by the legendary rock band Linkin Park. This is off of their Hybrid Theory album that was loaded, loaded with hits. So go ahead. Let's get a little loud. Crank it up. have it this week's weight room song of the week chosen by our special guest coach tim somerlad lincoln park one step closer great song get you fired up it's most definitely worthy of being on our iron dread weight room song of the week playlist which you can find on spotify and linked in our show notes go ahead and check out the playlist at iron dread underscore sc instagram twitter Folks, it's the end of the show. Another one in the books. Episode 40. 40 episodes of the Iron Dread podcast conclude right here. Enjoy making them. Hopefully you enjoy listening to them. Until next time, strength is never a weakness. Tough people always win. Around here, we're becoming dread stronger. Never forget the 343 and all those people. They lost their lives in 9-11-2001. I'm your host, Chris Whitaker, signing off. Thanks for listening to the Iron Dread Podcast. Please remember that all views and opinions expressed during the making of this show are the sole views and opinions of the individuals stating those opinions and not the opinions and views of the Dexter Community Schools. 
please also note that all music used in this show is the sole property of the artists and recording labels from which the music came. You can follow the Iron Dread podcast on Spotify and any major podcast platform. Just click subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast platform and get new episodes sent to you each and every week when they come out. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.